0: Hey guys, it's Jamie Scrimger here, second wife, stepmom of three and mom of one. And you're listening to my podcast where we talk about all things motherhood, stepmotherhood and living a kick-ass life. If you're ready for raw and real conversations and are striving to live your very best life, then you are in the right place. Every week I'll provide you with tips and strategies and mindset shifts to inspire you to live your own version of a kick-ass life. We'll bring you along as I create my own. Okay, guys, welcome back to the podcast. Today I am so excited because I have Kelly McDonald Arnold on. And guys, she is a certified sexologist. Not only that, she's an individual and relationship therapist, a master level registered social worker. Guys, she's pretty much just like a sex and relationship guru. So welcome,
1: Kelly. Oh my goodness, thank you. And that was like such a nice introduction. Thank you. I don't know about guru, but I definitely have a passion for all things sex and relationships for sure. Yeah, you are
0: totally an expert. Every time (laughs) I talk to you, I'm like, oh my gosh, she is so smart. (laughs) So do you want to just kind of give me, um, before we get started, I have like so many questions to hammer at you, but why don't you just kind of tell the listeners like a little bit about yourself, what you do, where they can find you, all of that jazz.
1: Yeah, sure. I'd love to. So I am a sex and relationship therapist in Kitchener, Waterloo. I work at a boutique private therapy practice um, called Bliss Counseling, and it's located in Uptown Waterloo. Um, And so there's a team of nine of us, and we all do different types of therapy. So there's hypnotherapy therapy, individual therapy, relationship therapy, sex therapy, EMDR therapy, like all types of therapy. But I um, specialize in sex and relationship therapy specifically. I have a passion for working with individuals, couples, and relationship configurations of all kinds, helping people to optimize their sex lives, improve their sex lives, find their way back to their sex lives. I've talked about this with you before, but the number one issue or challenge that I see when working with people is desire discrepancy. So when one partner has high desire and the other person has low desire and how that impacts their relationship, or even when it comes to sexual preferences, if someone wants to try something and the other person doesn't. So I, I try to support partners in navigating their, their way through that.
0: Awesome. And you know what? As you're like going through the things that you, you know, talk to your clients about, I'm like, yeah, we are so talking about that. (laughs) All right. So before we get into the SEX, and you know what I was thinking before? I'm like, gosh, this topic still makes me feel just a little bit uncomfortable. But I think that's normal. People feel uncomfortable talking about sex, right? Because it's a private thing. But I don't feel like maybe it shouldn't be so. Well, it should be private, but not something that people feel embarrassed to talk about.
1: Right. It's a natural part of our human existence. And we, I find that people sometimes talk about it like it's shameful or it's embarrassing when really more people than not are having sex, like at least adults, right? So totally, totally. Yeah.
0: All right. So before we get into that type of conversation, I want to ask you something about um, relationships in general, like we'll lose the sex for a second, but a lot of my followers and people who are listening to this podcast, they are stepmoms and you know, relationships and marriages when you're a stepmom or when you're blended families, they're just a little bit more complicated, right? Because, you know, the past or your partner's past is still very much part of your present. Mm-hmm. And a lot of uh, stepmoms feel insecure about being the second wife and just kind of navigating their way around that, especially when the ex is still very much part of your current, right? So do you have any insight on how stepmoms can kind of move past that and try to kind of not have those feelings as much? Because I it can be very debilitating. I know I felt it for a period of time in our marriage and I know there's so many, stepmoms who struggle with that right now.
1: Right. Because like you said, it's the past in the present. And if you're wanting to move forward, but some maybe old dynamics are taking place or challenges are occurring that you would like to move forward from, but these people are in your life forever, right? So you have to try to find a way to make it work and navigate that. Totally.
0: Because we don't deal with like, I have ex, I have an ex-boyfriend. I lived with someone, you know, for a couple of years before I was with my husband, but he's not part of our life anymore, right? He's just part of my past. Right. Whereas that's not necessarily the case because, you know, there's kids from the previous marriage and all of that.
1: Right. I think um, the way to navigate it is personal, individual for everyone, but trying to present as a united front within your primary relationship now, your current relationship now, and trying to find a new outlook or perspective on what the relationship or the dynamic means today and what it means going forward. So trying to look at the future, the best interests of the kids, how you guys can even become closer with your like with you and your husband now you guys can become closer through navigating these challenges together because challenges and obstacles can be seen as an incubator for growth right like if you guys it's a way to deepen your intimacy with one another to talk about emotionally charged things and so you can really enhance your communication strategies so if you're Trying to utilize a challenging situation for growth and to be closer to one another and try to approach it as a team, but also honoring your feelings too, because I don't think just getting over it, but honoring um, why you're feeling this way. Is there something you can do to support yourself during a certain type of interaction, but also if you're focusing on the kids? And that you can be co-partners, all everyone involved, and what's in the best interest of the kids, and that's the focus. Then it doesn't have to be so personal, person on person.
0: Yeah, and it's not really about the relationship that they had before. Like, it, you shouldn't be thinking about it in that respect. I have someone who follows me, um, I, and we've been become good friends, kind of online. And she said something once that really kind of hit home with me. It's Jen from Lemons into Vodka, if you're wondering, guys. Oh, uh, yeah, blog over there, and she says, you know, if you 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 know, reframe the way you look at your husband's ex and stop calling her the ex-wife and start referring to her as your stepchildren's mom. And it takes out that like ex-wife or ex-partner the thoughts that kind of automatically come into your head when you, when you say that word. And if you think about her just as their parent and kind of someone who's there because they're your stepchildren's parent, it it really, really does change the way that you process information about them.
1: Right. No, I think that's, that's great piece of advice. So just working on your perspective and being in alignment about what this relationship means today and how you can all work
0: together. Right. Totally. Because you know what? Like it didn't work out for a reason. They're not together anymore. And now it's about you and your relationship and moving forward and trying to find a way for, you know, to figure out where they fit in in a way that works for everyone. So it really
1: is all about the boundaries too. Right. For sure. And as long as you're in alignment with your partner,
0: it really is about you and your partner, not about them. Right. It's that it's, it's all really underneath your own house. Right. Totally. Okay. Well, that's one question I did really want to ask you, but now I really want to talk
1: about sex. Well, the thing is you're the, you are the expert in the stepmom parenting. So you'd have more information on that than me.
0: Um, I think that you had some great things to say though, too. I feel like you're an expert in like all things, relationships, especially sex. So, you know, what's so funny. So I was preparing for this episode and I was thinking back to when my husband and I first got together and I was talking to my cousin about, sex and her marriage and all of that stuff. And she was telling me about how, you know, sometimes she's just so tired or she just is like, pretend she's sleeping when her husband comes into the room. Cause she's trying to avoid it. Cause life is just so busy and she just doesn't want to do it. And I remember thinking to myself, I am never going to get to that place. Like, what do you mean? You're too tired to have sex or what do you mean? Like you don't want to, I don't understand. And, you know, I'm going to say we're, what, five, six years into our relationship now, and I kind of get it. Right. And uh, we've talked about this before, and I know it's something that a lot of wives and partners go through. And so I want to talk about how to get your groove back when you're in a rut, because I that's something that, you know, people find themselves in sex ruts all the time
1: hmm Oh, oh yeah. I don't think I'd have a job if it, if it wasn't so common, right? Yeah. No kidding. Right? Yeah, exactly. So, um, I guess I could start off by saying that, you know, desire and sex will ebb and flow. Like it's not always going to be passion and fireworks all the time. So managing expectations around that is number one.
0: And not feeling bad about it. Right. Like, I think that, you know, that even you just even saying that to me just made me feel better.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, as long as there isn't all this pressure associated around it, then you can keep the dialogue open and keep checking in around it. It's when you feel like you're so far uh, detached from your your desire and sexuality, then maybe you turn into the avoidance and you try to pretend like it's a, not an issue. When then it can show up in other ways within your relationship, right? You could be shorter with each other or avoiding each other even outside of the bedroom just because you don't want to. Let each other down or reject each other or it could go it could play out in a a bunch of different ways So with regards to getting your groove back biggest thing is caretaking is a desire killer so if you are Constantly thinking about other people constantly thinking your to-do list constantly giving 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 then sex can start to feel like It's another thing you need to do on your to-do list or something you need to give to another person to maintain You know a happy relationship whereas good sex is where you want to have it
0: You don't want it to feel like it's something you have to do because it's like your
1: wifely duty, right? Exactly. And I say maintenance. Sex is important, meaning... Um, you know, maybe a quickie once in a while just to keep the wheels greased and you know what it is, and you're just doing it to be, have fun and be close to each other. Like it doesn't always have to be a huge production. And sometimes you don't need to go into it because you hundred percent want to, but you also feel like, no, I'm open to this. This could be fun. So it's trying to maintain diversity within your sex life too.
0: Yeah, no, totally. So how do you get to the point? So you're saying like, I want to have sex, right? So you're in this rut and you're like, okay, I want to get our groove back. But how do you get to the point where you want to want to have sex? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely.
1: It does. And so I think we've touched on this before because we do like to chat about sex and relationships together a lot, but there's something (laughs) called spontaneous desire and responsive desire. So spontaneous desire typically happens in the honeymoon phase of the relationship. So from six months to two years when you first get together, and then it can switch to responsive desire, spontaneous desire can still present itself, but maybe at inopportune times, like you're running out the door to get the kids on the bus, or you are just getting in the shower and late for work. So you might feel like it, but there isn't the time to have it in those moments. Does right? Be,
0: like when you, but when you first get together and you don't have any kids around, you could like look at them in the kitchen and they just want to jump as bones.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Okay.
0: Gotcha. I remember that. No, I just. <laughs> ju- <laughs> <laughs>
1: Exactly. So it can switch into responsive desire. So you mentioned, like your cousin said, like sometimes I'll pretend I'm sleeping. So that might be more of an avoidance tactic. So not necessarily feeling like you you have all this desire, but feeling neutral is actually a really healthy, um, for lack of a better word, normal place to be. So feeling like not necessarily that you want to jump your partner's bones, but also feeling like you absolutely don't want them anywhere near you is a really healthy place to be.
0: Okay. So then when you're neutral, you can kind of, I think we talked about this before
1: where you're like, yeah, I could do that. Like I could could go there right now. Right. So there's, if you can, if you feel like you have the space and time and, and somewhat energy, if you engage with it, then desire might present itself. You may become aroused first, and then desire will present itself, or desire can present itself during um, sex at that time. But if you give yourself, you know, fifteen twenty minutes to engage in it and build up, then it, desire is more likely to present itself. If that makes sense, right? right. Versus just waiting for desire to fall in your lap.
0: Totally. So someone on Instagram asked, you know, how do you communicate to your husband when you're in a rut that it's like, it's not you, it's me, right? Because, you know, I feel like sometimes you can get in ruts and you can, you know, just be not feeling great about yourself or feeling stressed or overwhelmed or tired or whatever it is. And you almost feel bad or guilty, right? And you don't want to offend your partner that you're just not in that place.
1: So do you have any tips on how to, how to communicate that? Yeah. I think just saying it, like, I miss you in that way. I miss, I miss um being sexual with you. However, just like with what at this junction in our life right now, with a lot on our plate, maybe I'm burnt out or I'm not sleeping, or I'm just, you know, have a million other things where it's just not a priority. Or Connecting with yourself isn't a priority and you need to have a good relationship with yourself where you're checking in with yourself and how you're feeling in order to feel like you're connected to your sexual self, right? So if you're not putting yourself on the priority list, then it could negatively impact your sex life. But to communicate that in a way that you are aware of it, it's something that you want to keep talking about. Is there other ways that you guys can be close together so it doesn't become this avoidance thing where there's more and more space in between partners? biggest thing is talking about it. So, and saying, you know, I really want like to have a conversation with you about our sex life. Can you let me know when a good time would be to talk about that? So you're both in the frame of mind to have a vulnerable conversation with each other. So just getting that consent piece versus just springing it on each other is really important too.
0: Totally. And I love what you said there. It's about, you know, feeling good about yourself too. I think it's so important to make sure you are taking care of yourself, you know, especially when you're working out or you're, you know, just going for walks or you're kind of in a good place in your head, you're more likely to want to have sex. And on the same note, I think sometimes um, our partners don't understand that, you know, for when you're talking about like a man and a woman and their relationship, like men are turned on in very different ways than, well, actually, I don't know how they're turned on because like, I'm not like a man, but I think from what I have experienced, it is more of like a physical thing, right? Like they can be super stressed out and all this stuff is going on, but, you know, they can still be turned on because it's more physical for them. Whereas I find for, you know, women and do you know what really turns me on is like, honey, when you help me out with the dishes, like that makes me feel connected to you. And like, we're on the same team. And that makes me more excited about doing whatever we need to do tonight into the, in the bedroom. Right. And feel like, it's hard. I think that's hard for
1: men to understand. Meaning that the emotional closeness piece feeds into your fuels, um, your sexual response cycle totally. It's like, buddy, if you just clean
0: up the shoes by the door and like help me with like a few of the tasks with the kids, I'm way more likely to feel turned on tonight. And like, how do you explain that to them when that's just not their way of looking? It's like that men are from Mars, women are from Venus kind of thing, right?
1: Yeah. Well, I think um, you're hitting on it where males tend to be, they have more connection to the spontaneous desire. So it's easier to tap into that still. Whereas females tend to be, and this isn't for everyone, but just majority tends to be in that place of responsive desire so and desire is motivation so what is the motivation to have sex and you don't want it to be a hundred percent tied to keeping my partner happy so we're not fighting like it, there also has that could be an element but what is it for you what are you going to get out of it right and so changing the context of what's going on is really important so if there is a bunch of clutter and everything is on your to-do list having your partner help you take some of that stuff off your to-do list opens up the capacity for you to connect with them in that way and you you desire you have the motivation to be close to them because the space is there to do that when they're they're supporting you
0: You don't want to be lying there thinking about all the stuff you have to do. And I know there's people who can relate to what I'm saying there, right? Like you want to be in the
1: zone. You got it. And so back to the context, if you can change the context, so change the mood, change the energy, then suddenly or gradually you might be into it. So... A metaphor that I have, I've stumbled across would be, if you don't like to hike, then you need to feel like it's a really nice day outside where the temperature feels good and you have a bit of energy to go for a hike where you might actually enjoy it. But if you like hiking no matter what, then it doesn't really matter. You'll just go do it, right? So it really is about figuring out the context. So if there is a ton of chaos in the house and too much on your place, then you need to shift that to how can you make it a really nice day outside So you'll want to go for a hike. And then how can you both set that up together? So like often the men will like to hike no matter
0: what the weather is. And the women like to have a certain atmosphere
1: in order to enjoy enjoy it and feel like it's actually pleasurable. Exactly.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. No, that's so, that is, that is a really good point. And I think that'll be really helpful for a lot of the women listening because i think you know as much as we don't like to admit it we all get into these places and have have these feelings about sex and it's not a fun place to be especially when you're in your relationship because when you aren't at your best with your partner, you know, it trickles into other areas of your life and into your family as well. So it is important to be thinking about this stuff instead of being like, ah, I just don't want to have sex right now. Like I'm going to avoid it. I'm not going to have that conversation. Like, let's just kind of, you know, see what happens and work through this rut without actually working through it.
1: Right. Because then really the quality of the relationship becomes a bigger determining factor. Of whether or not you want to engage in sex. Because it doesn't always have to be to have orgasms and climaxes, but it could be. Well, those are always like, nice, though. Yeah, nice egg cake <laughs> <top>. <laughs> For sure, icing on the cake, right? Um, but just, it could just be for that intimacy and connection. You feel you want to feel close to your partner.
0: So when I first became a stepmom, it did not take me long to realize that I was in over my head. So one night I found myself sitting on the bathroom floor, bawling my eyes out, wondering what the heck I was thinking marrying a man with three kids and an ex-wife. Honestly, don't get me wrong. I was in love with my husband. The kids were great, but man, I was in over my head. So I did what we all do when we're looking for support and I went to the internet, but I was so disappointed with what I found. Even though my newsfeed was overflowing with support and resources for quote unquote real moms, there was nothing for stepmoms. Well, actually, that's not true. There was a lot of complaining, a lot of negativity, a lot of Facebook group vent sessions. But I knew that wasn't going to make anything any easier. I needed someone to tell me what to do to thrive. I wanted to live a kick-ass life amongst the extra stressors and drama and insecurities that came with being a stepmom. I really just wanted to have a great family life. So I decided to figure it out on my own. And after a lot of work on myself, a lot of work on my marriage, some therapy, and digging deep into all the stepfamily resources I could find. The stressors that used to send me to the bathroom floor or feel so overwhelmed that my hands would literally shake don't even phase me anymore. Want to know what I did to get to this place? Well, I will show you exactly how. So the Kick-Ass Stepmom Project is an exclusive community and course for stepmoms, and it outlines step-by-step what I did to change my stepfamily life. So as a life coach with a specialization in stepfamily dynamics, a former child protection worker, a stepmom, and a child of divorce, I've basically combined my personal and professional experience and created the type of support that. I was looking for when I found myself on that bathroom floor to learn more and to hear what stepmoms who have completed the program have to say, head to www.thekickassstepmomproject.com. Okay. So Christy on Instagram wanted to know her and everyone else wants to know, how do you make time for sex during a really busy season in life? And so you were just talking about like the spontaneous sex. There's probably not as much spontaneous sex when you're super busy with the kids and running around and all of that kind of stuff. Do you recommend like scheduling in sex? Absolutely. So like sex at nine o'clock, like PM, like in your calendar?
1: Yeah, I think that it can be So valuable at those busy times in life, because it means you're making it a priority. You're scheduling, carving out the time to set up the environment. So it's conducive to a relaxing, intimate, enjoyable, pleasurable encounter. And then it's something that you can prepare for individually. Like, do I want to make sure I shave my legs? Or do I want to make sure I got a really good night's sleep the night before? Do I want to make sure I work out today? Or do I want to make sure whatever you want to do to make you feel good in your own body And then you can even start to be a little bit more playful and flirty. Like, I'm really looking for a date night. I'm really looking forward to how this is, you know, spending time with you in that way. So you can leverage it in a bunch of different areas versus just saying, going from washing the dishes and then meeting you at nine o'clock for the meeting. It's like, what else can you do to make sure that it's actually going to be
0: fun. Totally. So we should all like do um, an invite on our calendar, like schedule in sex and then like send it to our partners and invite them. <laughs> Can you imagine getting an
1: email? I feel like they would love it. Exactly. Why not? Right. And it doesn't have to be all the time, but when you mm. know, life's going to be crazy and it's going to be hard for you to be connected to your pleasure, your desire, your sexuality, and that's also something you want to make a priority in your relationship, then carve out the time for it. How
0: often are people having sex? Like the average couple, how often are they having sex a week?
1: Uh, Good question. So I don't even have um, the answer, but I guess the biggest thing is people like to, based on some research Dr. Robin Milhausen did at the University of Guelph, she actually said that people actually like to know what other people are ha- what how much sex other people are having in order yeah, to, I really figure, want to know. Yeah. In order to figure out how much sex they should be having. So it's really about keeping up with the uh, Joneses, like how much sex should I be having. But other research has said that once a week is like a really sweet spot for partners. Um, any more than that, you might not feel like even better, but if it goes longer than that, you could start to um, feel the effects of it. But also, it ebbs and it flows, and that's just like an average, and that's not necessarily ideal for everybody either. Some people it might be once a month, and that can, if that works for them, that's totally okay too. It's really about what works for the partners. Totally once a week, I can totally handle once a week. Right? Yeah. That's, that's you know what I thought you were going to say a higher number. I really, really did it's interesting because sometimes people will be like, we're not having enough sex and we're only doing it like two times a week. And other people will be like, we're not having enough sex. We're doing it two times a year. So it's really like, it's really subjective and how it, affects you personally and then your relationship. It really doesn't really matter outside of that.
0: Totally. And, you know, I've said this before, I really feel like sex and like hot yoga and like going for runs. They're all those things that it's like you, you sometimes avoid doing them because you're just tired or, you know, it's what falls off your to-do list. But then after you do it, you're like, oh my gosh, why don't I, why don't I do that more often? Like it, yeah. it feels good. You know, it feels nice to kind of get back on that horse. So totally get out. You need to kind of keep it regular so that you don't
1: find yourself in that rut. And to even piggyback on what you're saying, because you're absolutely right, keeping those wills greased and like having sex. But another big factor, important factor is, are you having a type of sex that you're interested in having? So do you know your sexual script and it's going to be the same thing all of the time? Because even people will say like, you can go out for this elaborate fancy meal and it's amazing. But if you have that elaborate fancy meal a hundred times, you get a little sick of it. And you just want something quick and fast. So it is really about what kind of sex are you interested in having? Um, are you getting like pleasure and satisfaction out of that? Whether that's emotionally or physically, do you need a little bit more excitement, novelty, newness? And not every time, but you do need to have that diversity where once in a while you can have a new really like, wow, that was awesome. That will carry you through some other kind of basic sexual interactions, but that eventually those can get be a little bit monotonous. So then you need to switch it up one more time and then that will carry you. So you do need to have that sexual stimulus. Is this a type of sex I'm interested in having?
0: Okay. So question for you there is, so what if you want to try some new things or, you know, you heard about these new toys and you're not typically, you don't typically use toys in your relationship or whatever it is. So you want to try something new and you feel maybe uncomfortable talking to your partner about that right? Because you don't want to offend them by saying, I want to try something new because you don't want them to feel like, well, don't you like what we're doing right now? Or are you not satisfied? And kind of that type of conversation, but you just want to spice it up a little bit. Do you have any kind of advice on how to navigate those conversations?
1: Yeah. Even just going back to the whole asking for permission. So I would like to really, I would, I would want, I want to have a conversation with you about our sex life. Can you let me know a good time for you? So then we're both in the right frame of mind to be able to have a vulnerable, maybe awkward, funny, or maybe scary conversation about it, right? Like however that might feel for you, but so you're both in the right frame of mind to be able to have a productive conversation about it. And the thing is, When you first start interacting with someone or dating someone, like there's all these this mystery and unknown about the other person. So all of that is super exciting and it's about getting to know each other. So why not use that by introducing that through the communication by saying, you know, I really want to explore edges a bit more with our sex life? Like what we're doing is awesome, it's fun, but I wanna try something. So that's pushing up against a bit of our comfort zone so we can learn about each other sexually and have new experiences together that brings that different element of energy into the relationship. Right.
0: I just feel like that would be such an awkward conversation to be quite honest.
1: Yeah. And so even starting with the positives, like this is what I'm really loving about our sex life. Is there anything even ask, starting with questions, like, is there anything that you're interested in or can we maybe, you know, do some research and say like, oh, these are like Even come back to the next conversation with a couple fantasies or different things that you're interested in trying, and because you're doing some research together about toys or fantasies or even Google different ways to spice up your sex life, right? And just go through some stuff together. So sometimes using an element of education can be really helpful.
0: I bet that's like a highly searched term on Google. I can guarantee you it's like really searched, eh? (laughs) There's a lot of information out there. Yeah. Okay. So, what if you, oh my gosh, I have so many questions going through my head right now. Okay. So what if you want to do something and your partner's just like, no, like it just is not in their comfort zone.
1: Like how, how do you navigate yep. that? Trying to just talk it through. Like why, it why is this uncomfortable for you? I'm um, just trying to have an understanding and then expressing like why it could be fun for you and why you want to try it as well. Like that just trying to unpack it a bit more can be helpful. But also respecting like we don't have to do this now, but maybe just keep it in the back of your mind and maybe in like a year or two we could revisit it as well. But putting it out there is is really important, right?
0: Totally. And you know what's so funny? I'm like I always talk about communication and relationships and the importance of having these conversations and being open and yada, yada, yada. But I honestly never really thought about it in terms of sex. Mm -hmm. Okay. Just that you would need to talk about your sex life. I always felt like it was just something that you just did, right. It was an act. You did it and, you know, went on with regular life, but you know, from what you're saying, there needs to be a
1: lot of talk about it as well. Oh, for sure. Especially because yes, having sex is innate. Like it's people can do it, but having amazing sex, great sex that takes exploration and that takes talking and communication. And also what maybe felt good in the first 10 years of your marriage, 20, 30 years go by, you're different people. Like Wants and needs and tastes change, erogenous zones, like areas in your body will change too. So how are you going to communicate that, that you're you're evolving sex life or you're evolving desire?
0: Yeah, and like I always say, you need to be very deliberate about your relationship and making sure that you're taking time to, you know, have the date night or have those conversations. And if you want to have like a great relationship, you also need to be very deliberate about your sex life and having those conversations too. It's not... I think if you want to be great at anything in life, it takes work. Like you need to be really putting in the effort.
1: You got it. I couldn't agree with you more. And I also wanted to just add that you need to take care of yourself because also too much, because we're, we're pumping up the communication, which is obviously important and encouraged, but sometimes too much closeness, like a fire needs oxygen to breathe right? So you do need to maintain an element of separateness and distance. So then you can long and desire one another. Cause if you're too enmeshed, how can you long for someone when you already have them? Totally. So just making sure that you're creating um, a community around yourself. So spending time with your friends, working out, like doing stuff to feed your soul and, and fuel your energy as well. So you're connected with your aliveness and vitality. So you can bring that to the relationship.
0: Yeah, that is so true. And I find, you know, in my husband, sometimes he'll, before he goes away for a weekend or if he's got a boys weekend or whatever, you know, when he goes, I'm like, you know what, I'm glad I like, not that I'm not going to miss him, but it's nice to have that space. And then Mm -hmm. when he's coming home, I'm like so excited to see him. It's like that space in your relationship. It really does wonders both sexually and not right. It's okay to take time to do your own thing. In fact, it makes you a better person.
1: Right. And even, even just taking care of yourself too. So if you're always in your head thinking like, I'm fat, I'm ugly, who would want me? Like if people are, you're talking to yourself that way, like, what do you want to make love to yourself? So what are you doing to making sure that you're in a place where you feel like, yeah, like I feel sexy. I feel good too. So taking care of yourself as well. Totally.
0: Okay. So Kate has just sent a question and I think this is, um, I've been talking a lot on my platform about kind of our journey with secondary infertility and struggling within the whole baby making department. And it's been something that we've been going through for a couple years now. And Kate sent a question and she, it sounds like is dealing with a very similar situation. Mm-hmm. And she's saying, how do you take the awkward science out of baby making and make it feel spontaneous? Because often when you're trying to make a baby, especially when it's ovulation time, totally right. And it makes it feel like it's a job
1: mm-hmm. and it
0: takes that sexiness out of it, So do you have any advice on how people who are struggling with secondary infertility or infertility or even just in the baby making stages in general can try and, you know, keep that spark alive and, yeah, take away that whole it feels like a job thing?
1: Right. Yeah. And, you know, I come across this a lot because... You want to put in the effort and attention and focus to procreating and doing whatever you need to do to set yourself up for as much success as you can. However, with all that focus going there, then it could be taken off of the desire and good sex, right? Totally. There's
0: so much pressure, right? Yeah. Pressure to perform, especially for the man, right?
1: Yeah. And even um, there could be a lot of sadness and um, uncomfortable feelings now associated with your sex life, too. And stress? Um, Yep, stress, right? Which is also a bit of a desire killer. It's like, okay, we got to do this. So I would just encourage people to take their experience in stride, like recognizing that there's a bunch of different layers and factors at play here. And so what can you do to take care of yourself And what do you want or need in order to set yourself up to have just a more enjoyable experience? And like we were talking about before, if you just need to have a quickie, it's ovulation time, just go for it. But can you carve out time just for sensual closeness and sensuality, like have a bath together, like still just be close together in more intimate nurturing ways too could be really helpful.
0: Yeah. I feel like we could go back to where we're talking about planning, right? So yeah, you can be like, okay, it's go time, honey. You got to come home from work and we got to do this like Mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. Um, But then also, you know, that week or like before or after that, doing that scheduling. So you can kind of, like you said, set up the environment and include kind of both aspects because it's going to be a job because that's the job you're trying to get done. Right. But still having the other kind of sex too, like not kind of lumping it into one.
1: Right. Exactly. Just trying to be aware and mindful of, are we doing too much of one side and not of the other? Or maybe this is an opportunity to... Try it, bring in a vibrator into the room so you can be a little bit heightened. Um, it could be like a heightened eroticism and arousal by engaging with a new experience while still working on procreating, too. So I think just trying to be a little bit creative and gentle with yourselves during that time. Totally. And again, talking about it, right? Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always
0: <laughs> back to the communication, right? <laughs> So one of the most popular questions that I got, because I did just ask people on Instagram if they had any questions about this, and you're probably expecting this, but how do you have sex when there's kids around? Because <laughs> they're saying that they feel like there's always kids around or they're nervous that the kids are going to hear them. And so, you know, finding that time when there really doesn't seem to be that time. And there's always like kids who are awake. One of one of um, the girls who wrote in was said, you know, my teenage stepdaughter is always up. So, mm-hmm. I'm just like nervous that she's gonna hear.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that could be awkward. and again, feeds into the context. Like if your head is not in the game and you're you're worried about your environment or people, hearing you, then you're not going to be able to surrender to the experience and let go and really enjoy yourself. Right. Unless you're putting yourself in a situation where you're like wanting to be a little risky, but obviously with your kids, you're not wanting to do that. So I guess my, my best suggestion would be again, having those quickies where it's like quick and dirty and just going for it. Encouraged but also making sure that that sexual stimulus where that's not the only type of sex you're having is important. So if that means once a month you have to meet at home at lunch hour while the daughter's at school, then do that. Like, what do you need just to switch it up? Even if it can't be every week, can you do it once in a while just to change up that sexual stimulus that will feed you into other types of sex too? Yeah, it goes
0: back to what we were saying about being deliberate, right? And making a plan. Right. Like, this is this is a big barrier right now. Like, how do we... Work around this. Totally. And you know what? Before we had this conversation, I would have thought that being deliberate about your sex life and making those plans would take the sexy out of it. But it actually, now that kind of we're like mulling through it, I think that it does make it a little more fun and exciting, actually.
1: See? Yeah. You see? <laughs> <Got> it. <laughs> well, it's that art of seduction, right? Like how, like you know, you have a date, you wanna seduce each other into that experience too. Right, right.
0: Oh my gosh. I love talking to you. You literally, oh, you just open my eyes about all things oh, sex,
1: Right. You. I was well, watching
0: too. Well, thank you for having me on too. Yeah. Oh, you know what, guys? If you're listening, I'm gonna link the videos that Kelly and I have done before. Kelly's come to the House a couple of times, and we've done some videos talking about similar things, but a little bit different. So I'll link those; you guys can take a look at those as well. But Kelly, thank you so much. This was so helpful, and honestly, I feel like a lot of my listeners are going to have some good sex this week. I hope so. Let's yeah. About
1: that. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Okay. So where can everyone find you, Kelly? You can find me at blisscounseling.ca or sexologyinternational.com. Uh, so um, Bliss Counseling is a, the private practice where I do sex and relationship therapy and sexology international is where i post a lot of my writing and blogs and things like that too where you can always get free tips and information that's all evidence-based reliable relevant modern information you can find that there
0: great and you know what kelly has actually done a guest post for me a while back and i will link that uh, below the podcast as well so if you guys want to check that out too awesome well thank you so much for having me yes thank you so much for coming kelly it was awesome to talk to you All right, guys, that's it for uh, today. I will uh, talk to you in the next episode. Bye-bye. Okay, guys, if you like this podcast, please do me a little favor. Take a second and subscribe on iTunes and then screenshot this podcast, give it a share in social media and tell your friends what you think. And hey, don't forget to tag me so that I can thank you for helping me spread the word. Thanks so much. And I will talk to you next week.